Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Zinc. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. And I said, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are glad she sang it and not me. Um, we are going to be sharing with you our origin story of kind of how we came to be. And mine just happens to start out with 25 years ago. And I wanted to sing Four Non Blods so bad, but um, we would have lost viewership. Oh, my gosh. Stop Listenership. <laughs> So, yeah, that was great, Sarah. Thanks. <laughs> this uh, is a special episode. Yes, I'm I'm actually very nervous about it. I like, am too because it's about us. Uh, yes, which is so weird. It is weird. <laughs> I can talk about other people's stories and and hold space for that and and interview people and I'm very intrigued by that, but it's like talking about my own story, I'm like, <laughs> right. Right. And I, but it's important because we have so many new listeners from uh, a year and a half-ish ago. And sometimes I think that maybe we didn't explain it even, we we explained it to the best of our ability of what we were doing then. Correct. And now (laughs) we have a better understanding. We've evolved as people, as a podcast. And so we want to share with you how we got here and why we're here and why we continue to walk this path exactly and why we're unqualified but have a shitload of experience to talk about mental health exactly um so this is kind of going to be behind the scenes a little bit of where sarah and i came from how we got here and how we met I'm Sarah, and since you can't see us, I thought, you know, I'd let you know which one in the pictures that I am. So <laughs> I am the redhead with the translucent glow-in-the-dark skin. <laughs> I am Amy, and I'm the one dressed in black 99.9% of the time because that is all that my closet holds. <laughs> and it's your favorite color. It is my favorite color. We're going to get you some random facts here, too, after we dig into the deep stuff. But there, Yeah, we'll leave you waiting for those yes but here's our origin stories it's like we're marvel characters but we are (laughs) so 25 years ago four hours away from my family during my freshman year of college i was looking to find myself in a life filled with purpose joy and new adventures what i hadn't accounted for was my world beginning to go black 
my heart pounding, and the feeling that bricks were sitting on my chest. I was convinced that I was dying. This was terrifying and my first but not last experience with a panic attack. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and an eating disorder. After that, learning how to navigate life became more complicated, but I was able to do it with hard work and determination. After seven years of marriage to my husband, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. My entire life became about living with mental illness, whether that be in my own brain or riding the roller coaster of bipolar with my husband. I quickly learned to keep quiet about our illnesses and manage them behind closed doors. I feared being judged and learned quickly that it wasn't safe to share my real life with coworkers, friends, and family. The world showed me through television, books, movies, and observations of others that mental illness is not normal and not something to be talked about openly. It was then that I knew I had to fake it until I made it. I needed to control the situation, stay busy, work multiple jobs, be responsible, take my medication, make sure my husband was taking his medication, keep our illnesses under control and under wraps. Living in a world saturated with toxic positivity, I believed that there was always someone who had it worse than me. So I should be grateful for what I have and not complain. I spent four years on my own and then 19 years with my husband keeping it together. I joke that I was holding the pieces of our life together with duct tape. I shared some of the truth with a plethora of therapists I had over the years, but never to the people in my daily life. To them, my life seemed like one everyone wanted. After a long, hard-fought battle with his illness, my husband died by suicide. Becoming a widow and a single parent in one moment knocked the wind out of me, and the grief overcame me. All the faking, all the fixing, all the work seemed to have been for nothing. I didn't see any reason to keep pushing forward. I lost the fight and the desire to keep fighting at the same time. I was angry that the mental health system failed us, that society failed us, that my husband had failed us, but most of all that I had failed us. I did not want to keep going. My own depression coupled with grief was swallowing me whole. Years of trying to control my life on my own had caught up with me and I was exhausted. Suicidal ideation was not new to me, and after my husband left me without my partner and my best friend, I didn't want to live anymore. Looking at my then two-year-old son and nine-year-old daughter, it hit me that if I followed through on that, my children would be left without any parents. So I knew that wasn't an option. I had to keep going. But how? How do I keep going? It wasn't going to be the way that I had lived my life up to that point. I couldn't continue on that road. I had to do it differently this time. I had to live honestly and authentically with everyone. No more hiding. I had also come to the same conclusion, but let me back up a bit. Since I was a kid, all I've ever wanted in life was to feel safe and live a life of joy. But both of these things consistently fell out of reach as one by one, the people closest to me died. I was in suburban bliss when at eight years old, we frantically searched for my missing swim teammate friend. And after about 15 minutes, she was discovered. At the bottom of the pool, a place where we found our solace and joy, she lay under the shimmering, unsettled water of the deep end. As the adults and the other kids quickly paced around the area calling out for her, the green and white of our uniform suits caught my eye, and I yelled out for someone to help, but it was too late. My seven-year-old friend was gone. A year later, just five days after he turned 21, my brother was on his way to work following in our father's footsteps as a radio DJ when everything flipped once more. Traveling the notorious West Virginia road that wound upward in a steep bend known as Chicken Neck Hill, he lost control and fatally crashed his car. 
My father remarked for the first time, but most certainly not the last, that it could have been worse. He could have been brain dead and in a vegetative state, whereas now he was with God and could be free. This was the start of minimizing my trauma into little bits of nothing because someone out there always had it worse than me. I had to get over it and appreciate the life I was given, so I suffered in silence. I internalized with things I could control, like my eating, which developed into an eating disorder that became the butt of my friend's jokes and the further demise of my self-worth. I lived in a blanket of toxic positivity, jokes, and self-deprecating humor. And when I was 18, my father was diagnosed with colon cancer. After two years of telling me that he was fine, and even though that he was dying, it could be worse, he lost his fight. Again, I was left with an even bigger hole in my heart, but my upbringing told me that I needed to move over it and that so many people had it worse, so I shoved it down. I was 36 and killing it as a vibrant business owner by day and a super Pinterest mom, wife, and friend by night. (laughs) I was the life of the party, the fun one, but I'd been feeling sick and run down for a while and after some self-examination, I felt a lump in my right breast. I had a doctor's appointment that turned into an ultrasound that turned into a mammogram, which turned into a biopsy, and I was told that I had breast cancer. This was a fight that I would think that I had won until it awakened something in me and everything started to crumble. Being faced with my own mortality was a slap in the face. The positive, everything's fine. Sure, I've had some tough times, but it's nothing like what some other people have experienced. I'm fine. Lifestyle had caught up to me. I was overcome overwhelmed, and it all came to a head one day in my therapist's office. I felt like I couldn't breathe. My entire body began to shake, and I started to hyperventilate. It was as though the years of shove-down trauma began to drown my heart and mind, and I wanted out. I wanted out of the room, out of that feeling, out of life. The suicidal ideation and impulse was so strong and so terrifying that I was immediately whisked away to a hospital where I stayed for six days. It was here that after a fellow patient snuck in drugs and died of an overdose that I snapped out of that haze. Life was fragile, scary, and precious, and I was finally ready to actually start living it authentically. Somewhere along the way, I had lost touch with a friend that I had felt a strong connection with, but we had been pulled in different directions on so many occasions that we never got the chance to flourish. But then it happened. Common ground. She reached out about something we had a shared experience with, and we met up for dinner. That friend was me. Woohoo! <laughs> we were both climbing up from rock bottom, which put us in a unique situation. The days of pretending were over. We craved relationships that were full of honesty without judgment and a safe place to figure out how to keep moving forward. It was in these discussions, filled with real and raw talk, accompanied by dark humor and plenty of laughs, that we realized how important it is to be vulnerable. It was in this vulnerability that we found community, knowing that we are all struggling in secret. And if we could just speak the unspeakable, we would all feel less alone. This is how we would move forward. So one day while day drinking, (laughs) Amy flopped back on the couch and said, we should have a podcast. We have a lot to say and we're really freaking funny. (laughs) We laughed, but really dug into the idea because we both had been through some shit. And we knew that if sharing it with one another had brought a new light into our lives, that doing it on a bigger scale could help others from feeling the way that we had felt the first half of our own lives. And so the podcast was born from two women who have had enough with conventional and traditional ways of dealing with life and all the pain it brings. Through our time with dozens of stories, advice from experts, researching, learning, and putting it all out there, we have opened our eyes to a fresh lens. 
one not clouded by stigma, fear of speaking out, and a messed up core belief system. So if you found yourself here with us, here's what you can expect. We make the unspeakable speakable by sharing real life stories and feelings that you might be afraid to say out loud, normalizing not being okay. We put names to thoughts and feelings to empower us and give us the armor we need to combat through the tough stuff. We explore and share out-of-the-box tools and resources for mental health so that if you haven't found what works, we can encourage you to keep looking until you do. There are endless resources. Keep trying until you find what you love and can commit to. We find the experts and we ask for guidance. We laugh. We (laughs) think it's important to interject humor, dark humor, silliness, and all the wildness and weirdness you could hope for. And we normalize that there is no finish line. Healing and mental health is a volatile and ever-flowing entity, and we are warriors for navigating through it. Know that we are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. We are so grateful to be your unqualified therapist. To get to know us a little bit better, we also have a list of 10 random, but some serious, some funny, some poignant, some not, facts about ourselves. (laughs) This is Amy. That is also my boyfriend's ringtone. What? This is Amy (laughs) from um, the beginning of our podcast. Oh my gosh, Michael. It's ridiculous. But this is Amy. (laughs) For real. And here are 10 randomnesses about me. (laughs) If you listen to the podcast, you know some of these all the way back from, you know, the old archives. But for those of you that don't know, I'm going to tell you some very fun, embarrassing, lovely things about myself. For example, in order to pee in public, I need to do my multiplication tables. By that, I mean I have to be like, six times six is 36, seven times, you know, because I have to not think about peeing to pee. Number two, I am currently still, because I talk about this all the time, writing a memoir about my life with mental illness and my husband's life and death. Writing a book is way harder than I expected. And I don't know why I would have expected it to be (laughs) easy. Number three, I always knew from a very, very young age that I wanted to be a teacher, and I have done that for 20 years proudly, but I do feel that I am ready for the next chapter. Number four, I lived in Colorado for six years and learned to love the outdoors, so hiking and climbing and those sorts of things, but not camping. (laughs) Camping will never be something I love. Don't try to change my mind. Boo. You don't love it either. <laughs> Number five. I like glamping. Oh, glamping, you say? Yes. I mean, get me a getaway cabin yeah. and I'm there forever. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I love being out in the woods, but mm-hmm. in a cabin. With plumbing. Right. Mm-hmm. Number five. I just recently, at the age of 43, started having hobbies again that aren't income producing, such as reading for fun and embroidery. That's why she's a hundred. Happily. (laughs) Number six, water heals me. The beach is one of my favorite places to be, but New Orleans is my favorite city of all time. Number seven, I am a highly sensitive person, a one on the Enneagram and an empath. Number eight, my mind 
never, ever stops. I'm always thinking about the next big idea, big problems in the world, questioning everything, and I've been having existential crises weekly since I was 14. (laughs) So she's not lying. I'm not lying. Mm -mm. (laughs) Number nine, tattoos are my favorite. I am officially addicted. It feels like a healthier addiction, though, than the ones I have given up. (laughs) So I'm winning. And number 10, I am passionate about mental health, body neutrality, racism, feminism, and equality to the point that it gets me in trouble. And I am okay with that. Yes. I love it. Bam. Bam. Boom. 10 things about Amy. Let's get it, Sarah. It's Sarah. Hi. I'm the one who sings everything. Number one, I've been skydiving and I will never, ever do it again. I was 18. Bad choice. Bad idea. <laughs> it's still on my bucket list, though. Oh, no. No, okay. don't do it. It's terrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, number two, I am an empath, but didn't know what that was until about five years ago. I would suddenly feel a large rush of a certain emotion or emotions when I was with other people or in a crowd. I would begin to feel and act unlike myself, and then I would be like completely exhausted. And then I finally realized why when I learned what an empath was. Number three, I had a record deal with an independent record label in Las Vegas that I turned down, and I think about it all the time. Oops. That one breaks my (laughs) heart. I even recorded several songs for an album. Mm. Number four, please don't come at me. I think the movie Forrest Gump is overrated. Number five, I love to read and can get lost in a book and have no idea what day or time it is. And then I feel like I'm like living in the book, which can be fun, but also kind of dangerous at times, depending on how murdery the plot is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number six, I love to write. And it's one of the two things that I know I can do well. So it's something that I turn to when I'm feeling really shitty about myself. Number seven, Trauma has affected my memory so badly that there are legitimately huge chunks of my life that I can't remember. I think it has to do with the fact that I have these big things that occupy my mind space that I can't hold on to any of the small but like beautiful memories, which has always haunted me. Number eight, again, please healthy people don't come at me. I hate tomatoes. <laughs> I want to love them. I try them over and over again because they look so delicious and red and juicy. And I know they're good for you. But every time, every single time they make me gag. <laughs> Number nine, my favorite color changes by the day. Sometimes I love blue, sometimes green, sometimes orange, sometimes purple, and sometimes yellow. <laughs> Not black. And sometimes red. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, those are actually my faves. And then number 10, music is one of the most tooling, tooling heels. Tooling heels. I'm going to go ahead and leave that in. Go for it. <laughs> music is one of the most healing tools that I have. Um, singing releases stuck energy for me and listening to songs where the lyrics resonate for me in some way helps me to process emotions. Now we've come up with three things about each other. This was a fun game. This was a fun game. We have not <laughs> shared these with one another. <laughs> so... There are three things about Sarah. It's not like top three. It doesn't, it's, there's no importance to them whatsoever. (laughs) Okay. Number one, Sarah is a great driver. She is my driver when she doesn't drive for Lyft. You hear that everybody into my family, you bitches. (laughs) Like seriously, the best driver. Thanks. So I'm appreciative for that. Yay. Number two. That just made my day. (laughs) Yay. Sarah will not 
answer your text. (laughs) But that doesn't mean she is mad that she doesn't love you or even that she's in a bad mood. She just hates her phone. (laughs) So true. Yes. (laughs) Sarah will give you her last dollar. She is incredibly generous with whatever she has. And folks with more can really learn from her. We both dream of giving back big time when we make it. Thank you, my friend. Oh, you make me cry. Okay, well, now time for Amy's. Oh, boy. Amy. <laughs> All right, number one, Amy doesn't like tea. And <laughs> but she thinks that people who drink it are better than her. So she tries to drink it so she can be better, too. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yep. Number two, Amy is a concert junkie. She loves live music and will go to just about any concert, especially if it's outside. This is true. And number three, Amy is a fierce friend with protective instincts and big love. She will fight for you because she, when she believes in something or someone, she will stop at nothing to keep you safe. Oh, I love you. I love you too. That was so sweet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there it is, folks. Now that we both feel so uncomfortable and awkward. we talked about ourselves so much there. But that is who we are. And as we continue this podcast, we're going to continue to learn about who you are. We have our episode that just dropped that had listener stories and listener advice in it. We're going to continue with that because we want more of you in this podcast. Your ideas are unbelievable. Some of the tips are just crazy good that you guys shared with us. And so... That is who we are, and we are just so excited to share more about you. Our goal is to build community and to obviously remove the stigma around mental health. And so talking with you and getting your sides of things really helps the rest of the listeners to know that you really, truly aren't alone. It's not just the two of us weirdos (laughs) sharing in your pain. We're in it together. We are not hiding anymore. We are telling the truth, and the truth is fine. It is good and there's freedom in it and we welcome you on this journey with us. Yes. So reach out to us. Seriously, we mean it. You can email us anytime at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. You can be a part of our new Facebook community that will be starting up soon. So you'll just want to search on Facebook for the group Unqualified Therapists. Warriors, I believe. Yes. And then you can reach out to us through DM on Instagram. That is kind of where we spend most of our social media time Mm -hmm. in that arena, arena, that format. I couldn't think of what it was called. Yeah, I don't know. If you really want to dive deep and you really want to be a part of our very intimate community, you can head over to patreon.com slash unqualified therapists, Inc. That is a way that you can very much support us and help us keep the mics on. And I love that. Yeah. The mic's on. <laughs> so that is a great place to support, but you also get extras for being there too. We appreciate each and every one of you uh, who listen to the podcast, who share it with friends, who have become uh, part of our community on Patreon. And for those of you that reach out just to tell us that, you know, it's helped you through one of those days. Um, that's the kind of stuff that really does help us keep going to know that um, there's that this is making a difference. Yes. And there's one other way that you can support us and help us keep going without even costing any money. And that is just to leave us a review. We can do that directly through our website. There is a spot to hit review and that can take you to either Spotify or Apple podcasts, or you can leave one directly on our website. www.unqualifiedtherapists.com 
that's plural, dot com. Thank you so much for joining us again, listening, learning a little bit about your hosts, and we hope that you stay wild and weird, warriors. Have a great week. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. Editing and production by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, join our fan club at patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. Follow us on Instagram at unqualifiedtherapists, where you will find our link tree to all things here at the UT. If you have a story to tell or a topic you'd like us to discuss, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. Until next week, warrior. Hold on. We're gonna make it. Yeah, my